Uh, I, I want to read you uh, a passage out of Matthew. Um, and this is a passage leading up to Christmas. And I read it last week as well. And I'm going to read it again uh, this week. And it's in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23. It'll be on the screen. I don't have sermon notes for you this week. Um, and you'll see why here in a moment. Uh, but I want to read this to you. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. I'm going to read out of the NLT this morning. And it says this, beginning in verse 18, chapter 1 in Matthew's Gospel. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means church. God is with us. God is with us. Take a moment and tell your neighbor that God is with him. Go ahead. All right. Give your other neighbor a high five this week and tell him God's with him. There we go. I won't say your second choice. This morning, I want to talk to you about the incarnation. The incarnation. Now, the incarnation is kind of a fancy word that theologians or pastors use um, to talk something about something that is fairly simple. So what is the incarnation? The incarnation is uh, simply God becoming a man through Jesus Christ. So this is kind of simple enough to understand, God becoming a man through Jesus Christ. Uh, you see, it's simple to understand, but kind of hard to wrap your heads around. The Christians have always believed that Jesus pre-existed his coming, that there was never a time that Jesus didn't exist. In fact, Jesus was at work in creation in the same way that God the Father was at work in creation. Uh, we believe that Jesus is God himself who has come to earth and that Jesus is the purest and perfect expression of who God is as he came. John says it this way, that the word became flesh and the word dwelt among us. In other words, God became flesh is what John tells us, and that is what the incarnation is. It's hard to kind of wrap our minds around because it's not just God becoming flesh or God becoming a man, but God actually also being a man. You see, Jesus came through a 16-year-old girl named Mary. And so we believe that Jesus was fully God and fully human. That's the incarnation. Jesus preexisted, though, as I said, his coming to earth. And so this teaches us something, or we should uh, notice something about this. And, and it's, it's, it's pretty simple for, for us Christians and those who believe in the incarnation. It's this, is that it was God's plan for Jesus to come to the earth. You see, we might be surprised, and the shepherds were surprised by Jesus' coming. Mary was surprised by Jesus' coming. Joseph, Jesus' father, was surprised by Jesus' coming. All the religious people were surprised by Jesus' coming. But God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were not surprised by Jesus coming to earth. This morning what I'm going to do is a little different than what I've done in the past. Usually you know that I'll take us through the scriptures and kind of teach them. But I, I want to tell this story with kind of a creative flair here. Uh, I'm going to kind of tell the story of God the Father having a conversation with God the Son before 
God the Son, Jesus Christ, came to earth. Now, this conversation probably didn't exactly happen like this, or uh, I don't know what it would have looked like, Um, but uh, I'm going to give it my best shot. So maybe it started like this. God the Father says to Jesus, Jesus, I want to send you to earth. Now, this will be very costly to you if you decide to do this. But I want to send you to earth as a sacrifice for sin and as an expression of my perfect love for the people that we have created. They need hope and they need to know that we love them. Father, how will this start? I've chosen your parents. Your mother is a young girl named Mary. She is going to love you so much. She'll be scared that night when the angel showed up. You know, come to think of it, we probably should have made the angels a little less scary. People are always afraid when they see them. Anyway, after the angel finishes explaining to her that she'll have a baby in spite of the fact that she's a virgin, she will respond. And her response will be an example to every man, woman, and child who I ever come into contact with. She will say something like this. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, I love Mary. And Jesus, you're going to love her too. So Father, I'm going to be like every other human being. I'm going to be born into the world. Yes, I know. It's gross. I don't care what Mary tells you about the angels and the shepherds being there. It's dangerous and it's gross. If you want to know the truth, ask your father Joseph about what happened. You being born, though, like every other human, is necessary. For you to become a man, you must enter the world like every man does. You will come from me, so you'll be fully God, but you will also come from Mary, so you will be fully human. People will bend over backwards trying to understand how this works. And they will struggle to explain to understand it. But I understand, Father. And did you say I would be born in a stable? Yes. You're going to be born in a very common and lowly place. You will be born in a stable next to animals. People will come to know you. And not just the rich and powerful. Uh, but, but people will come to know that you came for the lowly and the poor. You came not just for kings and queens, but you came for the common person. When your life is all said and done, I will exalt you as King Jesus, but you will not live like one. Your earthly father, his name will be Joseph. He will be a descendant of a king, but he will be a simple carpenter from Bethlehem not a king. He'll want to break off the engagement. And to be honest, Jesus, I don't blame him. He will obviously assume that Mary has cheated on him and been unfaithful to him during that time. I mean, who would believe Mary's story anyways? But unlike many men, Joseph will not break the engagement off in a way to embarrass Mary. No, Joseph is a humble man and a loving man, even when he feels he's been wronged. Jesus, don't worry, though. Just as I did with Mary, I will send an angel to let him know about our plan. The angel will tell Joseph that you are special and that you are a product of the Holy Spirit. The angel will tell him that you are the Messiah and that you have come to save people from their sins. Joseph will take this message to heart. He will adopt you and he will teach you his family trait. Someday, Jesus, everyone who decides to follow you 
will see themselves as adopted children of God and will try their best to learn to be like us. Jesus, you're going to love your parents. Now, Jesus, you need to understand, though, your parents will love you, but every demon in hell will hate you and try to destroy you. After you are born, Herod will send out a decree to, to try to kill all boys under the age of two. Mary and Joseph will have to flee to Egypt. They will not be able, able to bring you back home until after Herod dies. Later, your followers will read through Hosea and they'll realize that 700 years before you were born, I told them to write, out of Egypt, I will bring my son. When you grow up to manhood and begin your ministry, Jesus, you'll take time to go out into the wilderness to pray. But here's the thing, the devil will attack you. Never forget that prayer prepares your life for ministry, Jesus. You have to fight back with the word of God. When the devil asks you to turn the, the stones into bread, what do you say to the devil, Jesus? That's easy. I don't do request. No. No, Jesus. I'm just joking, Father. I will tell the devil that man should not live on bread of alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Good. Good. And what if the devil tells you to throw yourself off this mountain because I'll send angels to come for you and to protect you? That's easy. Thou shalt not put God to the test. Good, Jesus. What if he comes to you and promises to give you all the riches in the world, and all you have to do is to bow down and worship him for just a moment? Father, I will tell him to flee, and that is written that you should worship the God, God alone and to serve him only. Well done, son. Now, not everyone will hate you. You will have friends who will love you, and whom you will love deeply. They will drop everything to follow you, Jesus. You will have 12 men that will be your disciples. They will go wherever you go and learn from you as you do life together. You will establish deep and meaningful relationships with these men. Remember, from the very beginning, we taught people that it's not good to be alone. The disciples will know this, and they will teach other people this. This is why they will start churches and ask people to join them. They will recognize that we need to be together. They will teach everyone that we should be discipled in similar ways as you discipled them by walking through life together. Your time with these men will teach them to be patient with one another. Jesus, this is the only way people are going to get along. I can't wait to be with them, Father. Your life will be hard, but you will love them so much, and you will teach them how to love one another. Your followers will become to, know, become to be known by your love, Jesus. While on earth, you'll be a miracle worker. You'll be able to do things that have never been done before. You'll not act like a magician, but you will have great and awesome power. The first miracle I have chosen for you is going to be a party trick. What will that be? You will turn water into wine at a wedding feast. Well, why? To mess with good Church of God people and their Baptist friends. I like it, Dad. Jesus, people are going to be bring their friends to you just hoping they can be healed. And you will find yourself teaching in a room that is so full that people will be unable to get into it. A group of guys will have brought their paralyzed friend to get to you, but they'll realize that they can't get into the house. And so what they'll do, they'll carry this man up to the house, they'll 
tear a hole in the roof, and begin to lower this man down. Should I make them fix my roof? That'll be up to you. When they lower the paralytic man down, you'll see their great faith, and you'll touch this man, and you'll tell this man that his sins are forgiven, and the man will be healed. Everyone will be astonished. Some will be confused. Some will be angry. They will wonder why you said your sins are forgiven. People will learn from you that physical problems are bad. But our biggest problems in life are not the physical, but the spiritual. The biggest problem they have in life are the sinfulness of their hearts. Those who become angry will say this, that only God can forgive sins. Well, I am God. Yes, you are. But many people will never believe that. Jesus, you're going to heal the deaf and you're going to open blind eyes. You will calm the raging seas and you will walk on water. You're even going to raise the dead. And yet, people are going to want you dead. But here's what you're going to do. You, Jesus, are going to keep loving them. You will love them, although they're going to call you crazy. You're going to love them, although they will accuse you of being a drunkard and a glutton. They will try to make you their enemy, Jesus, but you will love them. You won't just teach people to love their enemies, Jesus. You will show them how. Jesus, you will be the one to show the world how much we love them. You will love prostitutes and lepers and tax collectors. You will love both the rich and the poor. You will love the religious and the irreligious. You will love people who hate you. Now, son, I want you to pay careful attention here. Toward the end of the life, it's going to go, end of your life, it's going to go from bad to worse. You're going to see what's coming towards you. Those friends who you loved and were loyal to you, well, one named Judas will betray you for 30 pieces of silver. He will turn you over to the Romans to be crucified. The Romans then will try you in front of the cities where you taught and healed people. Some of the very same people that flock to you will yell, crucify Peter, one of your best friends, who promised that he would never leave your side. He will deny you three times. The first time will be to a teenage girl. During those last days, you will find that your friends were very weak. You'll become overwhelmed with grief, Jesus. Remember, you'll be human. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you're going to ask me, Dad, is there any other way? But you'll know in your heart of hearts there's not. And you will respond to me that day in the very same way that your mother Mary did when the angel appeared. You'll say, Father, not my will be done, but yours. You'll sweat blood from agony. The Romans will arrest you and they'll whip you. Your own people will stand in the streets and mock you. The beating will hurt like you've never been hurt before. You'll, you'll be whipped 39 times, just enough to keep you conscious for what they want to do to you next. After, they'll throw you on a wooden cross. They'll stretch out one arm and they'll put a nail through it. They'll stretch out the other arm and put a nail through that. And they're going to take your feet and nail it through the bottom of the cross. Jesus, what they're going to try to do is they're going to hurt you and they're going to humiliate you. They will strip you down naked. They will throw a king's robe on you, and they will call you king, and then they will rip it off again so you're naked again. They'll put a sign above your head 
and then they will lift you high and people will cheer. King of the Jews, hail, King of the Jews. Why don't you save yourself, some will ask. The very people that we created, Jesus, will mock their creator. But press on, son. You see, you will have the ability to call down legions of angels to put a stop to the whole thing. Destroy these people, but you won't do it. Jesus, you will keep loving them. All because of who you are, you will look down at them and you will keep loving them. You will say, Father, please have mercy on them and forgive them, for they don't even know what they do. The most painful moment, though, for you, Jesus, will not be the betrayal or the lashings or being nailed to the cross. No. The most painful moment from you, Jesus, is when I look away from you. It'll be when we are separated. You will ask, why have I abandoned you? It'll be, Jesus, for this reason. Because the sin of the world will be placed on your shoulders. I will be separated from you for a time as you are put on the cross so that those who put you there will never have to be separated from me. You see, Jesus, you will become sin for sinners, although you have never sinned. That's why you had to become human, to take on the sins of the world. You will atone for sin. Your time on the cross will make them right with us. And Jesus, it will have the power to change their hearts. The cross will have the power to take hearts of stone and make them a heart of flesh, son. Because remember, the biggest problem in the world is sin that is deep down in the human heart. That is why I am sending you to save them from it. Right before you die, you'll say, it is, Jesus, you'll die a poor man's death and you will be buried in a borrowed tomb. But just as you came from heaven, you will return from heaven. Your body will not stay in the grave. You will rise from the dead to show that the power of God has control over your life and that life does not end with hopelessness. The first people to understand this will be a group of women who supported you during your life. They will be your only friends to come visit you after you have been placed in the tomb. And they will be the first to witness the resurrection and tell others about it. Dad, it'll be year 33. People will not treat women well or give them the respect they deserve or believe that they are credible. Do you think it should be somebody else? No. I want it to be women first. People who follow you will value women more than any other group alive. A convert named Paul will eventually teach men to lay down their lives for the wives just as you did for humanity. Besides, these women will only be the first to see you but not the last. After you will appear to over 500 people, Jesus. Son, are you up for this? You will have a difficult start to life. And you have a difficult ending to your life. Jesus' life will be hard. But ultimately, you, you will give people hope. You will show them that there's more to life than what they see. (laughs) We together will show them that a life that is being destroyed can be changed. There is hope for everyone who seeks forgiveness of sins and a resurrection to come for everyone who trusts in you, Jesus. Jesus, you see, you will be the healer that the world seeks. Yes, Father, I'm up for it. Good. 
You then will leave them with a simple message after the resurrection. You will tell your followers that you are king and that you have authority. You will tell them to spread this message. You will command this group of believers to go to anyone and everyone who will hear the message that their creator has come and that the redeemer lives. Then they will be responsible to disciple others. They will be the people that will teach others everything that you have taught them. And Jesus, you will remind them that you will be with them till the end of age. Don't forget to tell them about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about time I got mentioned. Jesus, I, the Holy Spirit, will be with every follower from the moment they believe and trust in you. I will give them this ability, and I will be the one who guides them in your teaching. Now, son, are you ready to show the world how much we love them? Yes, I am ready. People need me. They need to know about our love and our forgiveness and hope. I want to take a moment and I'll read through Matthew again. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, it did not dis- disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly, and he considered this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this t- occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with this. Church, I want you to remember that God is with you. God is here this morning. And I want to remind you that this Christmas, that God came to earth to be with us, to show us his love by becoming a baby, placed in a wooden manger, who grew into man to be placed on a wooden cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Then he rose again on the third day, conquering death to show us that he has power over life and death. Jesus is our hope, and we have hope. You see, as you've been watching the Christmas advertisements and looking at everybody's uh, Christmas cards and everybody's smiling and everybody happy and all the peace and contentment that everybody has or that is promised around this season, the truth is, is that only Jesus promises that. Only Jesus promises you what everybody else is trying to sell you. Only Jesus promises you love. Only Jesus promises you peace. Only Jesus promises you hope. And only Jesus promises you contentment. And so church, I hope that you'll be reminded of that this Christmas. That's what we're supposed to reflect on. And that's what we're supposed to do is be reminded that God is with us and that God is coming and that God is good and that our hope is anchored in that. If you are here this morning and you have never truly received this message, right, here's the deal, is that Je- Jesus came to be with you. He came to be with you. He wants to be with you. Uh, I ended this dialogue here with this question to Jesus. Are you ready? Right? And I believe that if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the question that God is always asking us. Are you ready? 
Are you ready to receive Jesus? He has come. He is here by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he prompts people to receive him. And here's the deal. Receiving Jesus is a choice we make. It's a choice that, where we say yes to God, where we decide to repent of our sins and receive forgiveness of sins, where we decide to make Jesus the Lord of our life. In other words, we decide to let Jesus tell us how we are going to live our life. You see, Jesus came to change hearts, and he can change your heart. I, I, I'm not going to promise that Jesus is going to heal you from any particular illness that you might have. He may, right? I'm not promising that Jesus may lift you up out of poverty, although he may. But the one thing that I can promise that Jesus will do is heal the poverty that's in your heart. And the only thing that you have to do is receive him for the forgiveness of sins and follow him as Lord. And so if you're here this morning, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to ask you um, to raise your hand and and let me know if that's you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar, although you can during this song. If, if you want, I'm going to ask you just to do this one simple thing. I'm going to ask you to make the decision to receive more step. Uh, you have connection cards there. We give those for a reason, and we often take offering after the message for a very simple reason. Uh, we want to, I, I want to know who has made decisions for whatever reason, and I want to be able to help people do that. You see, when you decide to say yes to Jesus and to follow Jesus, that is a personal commitment that you make, but it's not meant to be private. And so what I'll do with that connection card, if, if, you, if, if you put that I want to receive Jesus for the first time, uh, I will call you within the next couple of weeks here, and I'll help walk you through that decision. Because it's a personal decision, but it's not meant to be private, and I want to help you through that. And so if that's you this morning, I just don't want you to miss that opportunity. Because here's the deal. God is always asking, are you ready? But there will, be, there will come a time where will no longer be asked that and it'll be too late. If you are here this morning, perhaps you've come because God is asking you that question and he wants you to answer it in the positive this morning. Would all of you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to show us how much you love us and to die for our sin. We pray that We remember that your son didn't just die, but he lives. We know that he lives because he lives within our hearts. So our hearts this morning on Christmas, I pray, Father, are full of joy, are full of celebration, are full of excitement. I pray, Father, that you bind up the brokenhearted this morning in our church. I pray that you remind them this Christmas that not only have you come, but you are to come. That you make all things right. That you promise to right all wrong. I thank you for that message during Christmas, Father. I pray, Father, that uh, somebody here today is being asked by the Holy Spirit, are you ready? Are you ready to follow Jesus and make him your Lord? Are you ready to repent of your sin? And I pray that somebody here today says yes. I pray that they do not delay that decision. That's why you came. And so we pray for that to happen this morning. Father, as we sing this last song and take our offering, we pray that what we give you and how we give is an expression of our celebration of who you are this morning. 
As we take our offering, Father, this morning, may it be a proper reflection of our love for you and the joy you, we, you give us. And all God's people said, amen.